I'll now be reading from Joshua 1, verses 1 to 18. And I'll just give you a moment to arrive there. So that's Joshua 1, verses 1 to 18. Hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not, com- have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Thanks, Josh.
Well, uh, good evening, everyone. It's uh, good to be with you once more. And uh, yeah, really excited uh, to get into this book of the Bible that we're kicking off with tonight, the book of Joshua. Well, I wonder uh, what, or I wonder how, rather, I wonder how King Charles is feeling right now as his uh, coronation approaches. It's coming up in uh, May of this year. I wonder how he's feeling about it. Now, I'm not talking about uh, kind of the, the drama that he's experiencing at the moment with regards to um, Harry and Meghan. I'm, I'm talking about, I wonder how he feels about the size and the scale of the task that lays ahead of him. I wonder, in other words, that on the day that he is coronated, I wonder for him how heavy will sit the crown because when he, that day that he becomes coronated, that he fully takes on the role of king, well, he will be crowned, he will carry the mantle of king of the United Kingdom, head of state, head of the Commonwealth, a defender of the faith. Now, I'm sure that, that seems like a monumental task to me. I don't know about for you what that seems like, but it seems like a big, big deal. I wonder how he feels about it. And not just because I'm sure a task like that, a job like that is filled with troubles and potential pitfalls, but also because, now even more so perhaps, because he is taking that task, that role from his late mother, Queen Elizabeth, who was the, the longest reigning monarch in British history, who it seems was almost universally loved and respected. I mean, uh, just look at the, uh, the funeral uh, that she had uh, late last year. And now that task that Queen Elizabeth seemed to handle so well for so long, that now all falls upon his shoulders. So I wonder, I suspect naturally, he's probably asking, how is he going to carry out the same role? How's he going to carry it out? How's he going to live up to the exemplary reign of his mother? Well, uh, we don't know the answer to that just yet. It's a question we'll only know the answer to in time, isn't it? But I mention that because uh, we actually find ourselves in a similar sort of situation as we open up the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Before uh, this point in the uh, story of salvation, well, God has been uh, ably uh, leading his people uh, under the leadership of his servant Moses. And Moses has been there with the people, uh, leading them along all the way from uh, Egypt until now, when they stand at the precipice of entry into the promised land of Canaan. Uh, he's been there, in other words, all the way from the book of Exodus through to the book of Deuteronomy, right? The, the large chunk of that early part of the Old Testament. But now, as we reach the book of Joshua, we find out Moses is dead. Right? That's the opening line of the, of the book. And so next up is Joshua. He's the one whom God has chosen to lead his people. And the monumental task of that leadership role now all falls directly on his shoulders. So how would Joshua be feeling about that, you think, I wonder? Well, we'll discover that in time as well as we make our way through it. 
But the question arises, will Joshua be faithful in this task that he has now been handed by God? Because that will be critical in determining uh, whether the people of God will be faithful. Right In scripture, particularly in Old Testament narratives like the one we're about to get into, uh, the leader is always representative of the people. So uh, as the people go, uh, sorry, as the leader goes, so go the people. If the leader goes bad, the people will go bad as well. And so finding out uh, how Joshua deals with this task of leadership of God's people, that will be critical. It's critical to find out how he goes. And let's just say he has his work cut out for him. Now, this stage in, as we said, in the story of uh, salvation or salvation history, a lot has already happened. Uh, God has made a key foundational promises to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Uh, they're promises of blessing, promises of land and promises of offspring. Uh, now, these are that God would bring them to a land where they would experience uh, the blessing and fruitfulness that only comes through being in full relationship with God. But that was a long time ago, once we get to the book of Joshua. And now, uh, as we uh, mentioned, or as we've heard, this is the second time they've actually reached the brink of the promised land. Uh, Charles read for us earlier, Numbers chapter 13. That was the first time where they got to the same spot on the border of the promised land. Okay, they sent spies in to check out the land, to see its value, to see how, how good it was. And as we heard, as Charles read it, the majority of those spies came back and they cried, woe upon seeing all that was there in the promised land. They said, the people there, they're too big, they're too scary. We can't defeat them, they cried. When it came to it, the people were faithless. And because they refused to listen to God, well, God sent them out into the wilderness for 40 years. And now, as we reach the start of the book of Joshua, they have returned Without those complainers, the complainers are no longer there. And without Moses, their faithful leader. And so the task of entering the promised land, laying claim to what God has promised, that task now falls on Joshua. How will they go? How will he go? How will he do in the face of this task? Well, this is what the book of Joshua really is all about. We're going to see that uh, over the next couple of months as we slowly make our way through it here in the evening service. Uh, but for tonight, here's what we're going to discover. Okay, three things. First, a promise to hold on to. A second, a way to prosper. And third, a pattern to follow. Okay, a promise to hold on to, a way to prosper, and a pattern to follow. Well, in a sign of God's abundant goodness and graciousness, uh, he begins his communication to the new leader, Joshua, with a promise. Now, that's not just any promise. This is the same promise that God has faithfully kept all the way from Abraham throughout the generations right up to this moment. Okay, the same promise. And here's what he says in verse 2. If you've got your Bible there, uh, read along with me. Verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, uh, this river, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the, the great river, the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea going and the, uh, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And what's God doing here? He's reminding Joshua of the promise that he has given to his people over a long time now, the promise of a destination, okay, a land to call home. That's what he's promising. And if you look at the size of it, I didn't have time to draw up a map. It's a huge, enormous, massive uh, parcel of land. And God, he's just giving it to them. Right? That's the way he describes it. I am giving it to you. Now, have the, the people done anything to deserve this incredible gift? No. In fact, if you trace the story before this point, all they seem to do is keep running away from God. And yet, as this book opens, God again is continuing to keep his promise to them anyway. A promise to give them a home, a destination uh, where their long journey that they've been on will finally be complete. They've been wandering the desert for 40 years with no place to call their own, no place to rest. But now God says that time is coming to an end. They will have a land. They will have a home, one God has freely given them out of his graciousness. But that's not all. He's also promising to make this land a land free from enemies. So have a look there at verse 5. This is what God says. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, can you imagine... uh, receiving that kind of promise and not ever having to worry about anyone opposing you in things that you wanted to do and not having to worry about anyone causing you trouble and not having to worry about people saying wrong things about you and no one to to rise up against you now uh, i don't know about you but i reckon perth is a pretty great city Uh, but even here We are not without our trouble and strife, are we? We still have to lock our doors at night, don't we? But God's promising to the people here that that won't happen in this land that he's promising to them. Okay, They'll be able to leave their doors unlocked because no one will be able to stand against them. That's the the awesome nature of this promise. And still, even there, God doesn't stop the promise. He doesn't end there. He he then ties it all together by saying that he will be with you. Okay, have have a look at this, the next line. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. The reason why they will be able to take possession of the land, the reason why no one will be able to stand against them is because God, as, because God, as he said, will be with you. In other words, God is the power behind this promise. And what an incredible promise it is. Well, God then follows uh, his promise 
by stating how Joshua and the people can prosper. And not just promise, but prosper. Yeah, this is the second thing we discover. Now, what will Joshua need to do in order for this new period, this new uh, era of God's people, what will he need to do in order for it to go well? In order for the conquest of the land, which they're embarking on here, in order for that to go as planned, what will he need to do? Well, let's look at, at verse 6. Okay, Follow along with me. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. God says, be strong and courageous. Now, why would God need to say that to Joshua? Well, frankly, it's because before this point, that's exactly what they have failed to do. Like we said, right, the last time they came to the edge of the land, they were too terrified of the people inside to go in and take it. And God sends them out into the desert for 40 years as a result. And so even though those faithless complainers aren't alive anymore, well, Joshua still is. He was there the first time they came to the edge of the promised land. He's seen the people of the promised land already. He's seen the giants that seem to inhabit the land, how sizable they are, how impregnable their their fortresses seem to be. And, And so, yes, Joshua will need strength and courage if he is to be able to lay claim to the promise that God has made to him and his people. But how will he do it? How will he be able to be strong Uh, to show strength and courage? Is it through personal discipline? Is it through his his leadership skills, which, sure, have no doubt been honed under the leadership of Moses? But is that what he'll need? Well, what does God say? Let's read from the next verse, verse 7. God says, Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right, uh, from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. In other words, Joshua can show the depth of strength and courage necessary by responding rightly to God's word. That's the key. Now, as a younger lad during my time uh, here at church, at at Boys Brigade, I remember one time in particular, a a group of us went out and attempted a hike along part of the Bibbleman Track here in WA. So that was uh, myself and a few other Boys Brigade boys and some uh, brigade's leaders. Now, I don't know if any of you have been on a hike uh, along the Bibbleman Track, but I'll tell you, it's, it's not always easy. In fact, it can be full on. And I think at the time I was a young teenager. And so as a young teenager, you get blisters in your boots like you're in trouble. That's it. It's going to be painful. And nonetheless, I think I understood the point of the hike, why we had to go on the hike to earn a badge. I think I understand. Well, it was to learn how to show uh, determination and perseverance, right? So to be able to go through something difficult and make it to the end, But the key was 
You're only able to do that if you followed the leader. Right? If you followed the leader to the hike destination. Because if, if I had given up or if any of us had given up and turned around to go home, well, that would have showed the opposite, wouldn't it? It would have showed the opposite of determination and perseverance. And this is the same situation that Joshua is in. He can show strength and courage by following God's commands closely, by by following God to the destination that he has promised, rather than going off and doing his own thing. Now, that is the same as how it works for you and for me as well. What works for the leader works for the people too. And that means then for you and me, it'll take strength and courage to believe God's promise and to follow his commands. And so it's worth taking a moment here to to ask the same question we asked of King Charles earlier. How are you feeling, if you're a Christian, how are you feeling about that task? The task to hold up firmly to God's promise and to follow his commands through the ups and downs of life. Because I think we can all agree It's not always easy. In fact, it can be downright difficult. If it was easy to live an authentic Christian life, everyone would do it, wouldn't they? But that's not at all what we find because living that way, living in an authentic Christian manner is often filled with difficulty. It's filled with troubles, filled with potential pitfalls. It's much easier, wouldn't it be, just to turn around, go home and do my own thing. Now, following God's word can be tough. It's tough when it means that you lose friends. It's tough when it means you you miss out on opportunities in life that others are able to take instead. It's tough when you miss out on a career, you miss out on relationships. It's tough when you might have to say no to something that everyone else is saying yes to. But here's the thing. Well, God says that's the way, that's the path to the destination that he is leading us towards. And and that destination, God says, is titled success, which is interesting, right? Because if you asked, if you went out on the street tomorrow and asked most folks what they considered to be success, you're probably going to hear them say something like, well, it's achieving the things that you want to achieve in life. Right? So, so maybe having a prestigious career, like in the field of medicine or law, right? that's success. Or uh, maybe it's uh, having a spouse that's really attractive or, uh, or one that's happy to do all the things that you want to do. But that's success. Or, or maybe it's having a, a job that allows you to have uh, lots of income and lots of time off to be able to take holidays and adventures. Right? That's success. But God says here that true success is much bigger than that, much more weighty than those things. Because the truth is those earthly visions of success are often filled with disappointment, aren't they? Now you plan for Lots of holidays and then your life circumstances 
suddenly take a change and now you, you can't do those things anymore. I mean, COVID was proof of that, wasn't it? You, you look for the perfect spouse that no one appears. Or, or the person you end up with has a lot of things they like that are different to you. The, the degree and the, and the subsequent job that you get actually turns out to have high demands on your time and energy, so much so that it has a major negative impact on your relationships and your health. But those earthly visions of success are fleeting and, and often filled with disappointment. But God says true success is following him to the destination, to his destination. Now, that's a destination where we are freed from troubles and disappointment. And we're not talking here about a, a, a physical land, a parcel land in the Middle East. No, we're talking about a land that is eternal, right? a land where we are freed to live with God and to live with one another in perfect harmony. That's true success. And God says the way that you get there, the way that you get to true success is by holding fast to his word and by following his commands. And so from this point on in the passage, from about verse uh, 10 onwards, well, we see confirmation of this truth in the pattern that Joshua and the people display. Okay, in verse 10, uh, Joshua commands the officers of the people to go and get ready to, to carry out God's commands, right? to pass into the land, to take possession of it. Then in verse 12, he speaks specifically to uh, the tribes who had already claimed some land on the east of the Jordan. So that's outside of the, the technical uh, promised land. And that had happened earlier in the story. And he reminds them, these few tribes, of the promise that they had made to help the rest of God's people take hold of the promised land as per God's command. Right? So this, this smaller group of the people, he reminds them to keep God's command. And then finally, in verse 16, we see those same people respond back to Joshua, right? And they respond by saying this. Have a read with me of verse 16. Uh, And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Uh, Did you notice that? That there's no hint, no suggestion of complaints like the first time they approached the, the promised land. There's no suggestion that the, oh, this is all too hard. I'm going to pack up, go home and do my own thing. Right? Like back to Egypt or somewhere else. No, there's no suggestion of that. Now, what happens here is critical in this opening passage of Joshua. Both Joshua and the people show the pattern of responding rightly to God's promise and to his commands. And they do that by believing his promise, believing that he will bring them into the land, that, that he will be with them, and they do it by obeying God's commands. In other words, they put their belief into action. Now that's the pattern that we see in response to God's word, right? putting belief into action. And that's exactly the same kind of baseline response that's required of us if we're Christian as well. 
Right? It's, the one, it's one thing to, to believe God's promise to save us, to, to give us life with him. But unless we actually put that into action, well, that belief is worthless. Now, uh, my nana, um, before she died uh, about 10 years ago or so, she used to send me uh, checks uh, every, every year in the mail on my birthday. And one of those checks I remember now because uh, at the time... After receiving it, I completely forgot about it. I think I put it on my my desk in my room or somewhere and left it and totally forgot about it. And I only ended up finding it much, much later down the track when I think by that stage it had likely expired. Now, that's what belief without action is like. It's like receiving a check but never cashing it. It's worthless. A check like that that you don't cash is worthless. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, is your belief in God's promise like that? Is it something that you look at from time to time but don't actually do anything with? Now, Joshua, at this point in the story, they're just about to enter the promised land. He no doubt is looking ahead at what's to come and seeing all the difficulty that he's going to be facing. Right? There's going to be a lot of difficulty having to try and uh, defeat the, the strong, powerful people that appear to be in the land. It was going to be really tough to take possession of it as God had promised and as God had commanded. Now, maybe it's something like that that's stopping you from putting your faith into action. Maybe you look around at your life, you see what's to come down the track, and you're seeing that it's going to cost, cost you. Right? It will cost you to follow God, to, to follow Christ. And the truth is that that's true. It will cost you. And Jesus himself says this. It, in fact, it'll cost you likely more than anything else will cost you in this life to follow God. But the, the final question we should ask when we, when we know all of that, the final question we ask isn't how much will it cost me, but rather is it worth it? Is it worth it to still follow God despite the cost? Is it worth it to hold fast to God's word and to follow his command even when the task ahead of us might seem huge and immensely difficult, filled with troubles and pitfalls? And the answer we see in the opening passage of Joshua, opening chapter, the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, it is worth it to hold fast to God's word and to follow his commands. It is worth it to to put my belief into action. But not because I get some uh, war-torn parcel of land in the Middle East, no. But because I get to enjoy Life in the land eternal with God. A life that's free from enemies. A life that's free from difficulty. A life where the pain of this life is put to an end. A life free of the mess that I make myself of my own life. And a life where I am in full open relationship with the God of the universe. Right? That's the, the true destination of God's promise that he was promising here back in the story of Joshua, okay, the land eternal that we still have yet to fully experience. And it's not just worth it because of the destination either. 
Now, it's worth it as well because of what we get on the journey while we're headed there. Now, I'm not talking here about material blessings. Okay, those things are nice and we may get those, we may not, but God never guarantees those for us here and now. No, I'm talking about the much greater blessing that we receive as we follow God faithfully towards his ultimate destination. And what blessing is that? That blessing is, is Christ. That blessing is Jesus. That blessing, the blessing is that while we follow God, we have the Lord Jesus Christ himself right there with us every step of the way. And it's his presence in our lives that enables us to courageously continue the journey that God has called us to. Now, imagine you have a difficult task ahead of you. That in fact, maybe you don't have to imagine it. Maybe there is something really difficult uh, facing you in the next week or month. Perhaps it's a, a deadline at work or maybe a conflict in a relationship. Perhaps a, a project that you've never done before and you don't know uh, how to take, uh, you don't have a clue about how to get started. Well, now imagine that tomorrow morning uh, you wake up to a knock on the door and who should stand before you but King Charles himself with his entire entourage in tow. And he promises, he says, I'm going to help you to complete your task using all the resources I have at my disposal. Now, would that make your task easier or harder? I, I suspect it would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? Now, that's the blessing that we have if you're a Christian right now. That's the kind of blessing we have because Jesus is with us. God is present with you in Christ as you follow him towards his destination. Jesus, in fact, has made this very promise uh, to his disciples and to all of us, to all who faithfully follow him. He said this at the end of uh, the very end of Matthew's gospel. He said that he would be with us to the very end of the age. Now, how is that? How is it possible for him to do that? How can Jesus be with us all every day of our lives? Well, it's because Jesus, who, who was given the infinitely difficult task of freeing uh, wicked people from their sin, the infinite, infinitely difficult task of wiping away our shame and guilt, a task that was only possible by uh, perfectly listening to God's word and perfectly following his commands, Right, a task far more difficult than anything King Charles will ever face, far more difficult than Joshua had to face, far more difficult than anything you or I will ever have to face. And the story of the Bible, the story of salvation, is that Jesus has already secured that for us through his perfect life that he lived and through his substitutionary death that he died on the cross. He's already achieved that task. He's already, he's the leader who was perfectly faithful to the task that was set him. And he's the leader who's, who's now completed that task. Right? He's, he's like the general who, who has won the decisive battle and is going to collect the enemy's white flag. He's like the professional athlete uh, who's won the game and is just waiting to collect the trophy. 
And so for all those who would follow him, if you're a Christian, that, that's you this evening, for all of us who would follow him, he promises to be with us through every moment in life. Has anyone else ever made a promise like that to you? Has anyone else you know ever stuck by you through thick and thin, through every single difficulty that you have gone through? Now, no one can do that, really, here in our time and here and now, right? Not even your spouse or your family, your best friend. They might be a really good support at, point, but at points, but we all get let down by others at points in our life. We all have things that we have to go through alone. But the promise here is not with Jesus. No, Jesus' promise is that he will be with you every single day, every single moment. And and that means with him by your side and all his heavenly resources at his disposal are those he's won through this victory on the cross. Well, you can know then for certain that it will be possible to complete the journey that God has called us to. We will be able to make it to the destination that he is leading us towards. Despite all the difficulties that we might face along the way, despite the the troubles and pitfalls that might lie ahead of us. Because Jesus is right there with you. He's by your side. He, he's the, the shoulder to lean upon. He's, he's someone who will carry you if necessary. The greatest blessing that we have as believers in this life is not just the destination, but it's also God's presence in Christ while we complete the journey. So, as we stand on the the precipice of that eternal home that God has promised, well, I think Joshua 1 is is a call for us to do as Joshua and the people did here. It's It's to commit to listening carefully to God's word, to his promises that he's laid out for us. It's to commit to putting our belief into action by carefully following his commands. And it's to commit to making the pattern of our lives responding rightly to him. And and as we do that, as we aim for those things, let's walk along that difficult journey to our eternal home, remembering that Christ is by our side giving us strength and courage to respond to God in every situation with repentance and faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your, your blessing to us is so abundant. It's, it's sometimes it's hard to fathom uh, the depths that you go to to enable us to follow you despite our faithlessness despite our constant desires to to pack up shop, to turn around, to go home and do our own thing. Father, uh, would you be with each one of us here this evening? By your promise, uh, by what Christ has achieved, would you empower us, those of us who are trusting Christ, 
Empower us to keep living lives of faith, to hold fast to your word, to your promise to us, and to uh, follow closely your commands so that we might uh, be able to continue heading towards the eternal home that you have graciously given to us. Uh, We give thanks for this and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.